Does truth exist? Because you have faith, does that make this book true? Does God exist? So when someone says there is no truth, if you apply the claim to itself, what should you say? Is that true? They don't think Christianity is true. They're talked out of it. You know why they're talked out of it? Because they've never been talked into it. Cross-examining skeptical and atheistic views. Welcome to Cross-Examine with Dr. Frank Turek. Why do people, particularly in America, leave Christianity? What reasons do they typically give? And when they leave the faith, aren't they implicitly or even explicitly adopting a new faith? We're going to talk about that here today. In fact, I'm sure you've probably heard that there was a prominent author and pastor by the name of Josh Harris back in 1997 or so. He wrote a very popular book called uh, Kissing or I Kiss Dating Goodbye. I think that was the name of it. And um, it sold 1.2 million copies and it helped uh, many young Christians live a life of sexual purity uh, until, of course, they got married and um, up to that point, they had lived a life of celibacy. They didn't have premarital sex primarily because of Josh Harris, his book, I Kiss Dating Goodbye. Very popular. Now, today, I, I must say, I don't know Josh Harris. I've never spoken with Josh Harris. I can only go on what I've read from him. But he just this past week or so came out and said he's no longer a Christian. He was a megachurch pastor up in Gaithersburg, Maryland until uh, 2015. In fact, I know that church. I used to live in Gaithersburg. I was not there when he was there, but I know exactly where that church is, a church of several thousand. And he pastored that church, I think, from 2004 to about 2015. And now today in 2019, he's no longer a Christian, according to him. Now, what he hasn't said might be more important than what he has said. And I'd like to unpack that here today. Uh, here's what he said in a Instagram post. And I'll, I'll read some of it and make a few comments and then continue reading. And he said, my heart is full of gratitude. I wish you could see all the messages people sent me. This is Joshua Harris writing. After the announcement of my divorce. So he didn't just leave Christianity. He's left his wife as well. He said, they are expressions of love, though they are saddened or even strongly disapprove of the decision. Okay, now again, I don't know anything else about a situation. Maybe Joshua Harris has biblical grounds for divorce. He hasn't said. But to him, it probably doesn't matter because now he claims he's no longer a Christian. So maybe he doesn't care if he has biblical grounds for divorce or not. I don't know the situation. All I know now is that the man who wrote I Kiss Dating Goodbye has now kissed Jesus Goodbye. He's also kissed his wife goodbye. He's divorced Jesus and his wife. Now, that should grieve us, obviously. Now, I have a question, though. Why would he or anyone else who get divorced never say when they say I've divorced my wife or divorced my spouse? Why would they never say I've divorced my three kids? Because Joshua Harris has three kids. Well, because obviously, technically, we don't divorce. We can't divorce children, but We'd love them and we would never say we've left the children. But of course, we vowed to love our spouses as well. And if you don't have biblical grounds for divorce and you're a Christian, um, why do you think it's okay to divorce your spouse while you would never say you've divorced your children? 
yet you vowed to love your spouse and yet you're leaving your spouse. I have this as the pinned tweet on my Twitter account. I put it up there back in February. Here's the tweet. On your wedding day, you commit to get married because you love one another. Forever after that, you commit to love one another because you're married. Let me say that again. On your wedding day, you commit to get married because you love one another. Forever after that, you commit to love one another because you're married. No, love is not a feeling. Love may start with a feeling, but it's not a feeling. As C.S. Lewis famously said, mere Christianity. When two people get up on the altar and uh, vow to love one another till death do them part, they do not vow that they're going to feel the same way about one another for the next 50 years. That would be impossible. You can't vow feelings. All you can vow are actions. And love is a decision to seek what's best for the other person to take care of the other person. It is not to vow that you're going to feel the same way for the next 50 years. In fact, the only reason you need a vow is when the feelings do go away, because when the feelings are there, you won't want to leave them. It's only when difficulty arises. And when you put two broken people in one relationship, there's always going to be problems that arise. That's just the nature of our fallen state. People are going to have difficulty with one another. That's just that's just our human nature. That's just reality. That's why you need the vow. You don't need the vow and everything's going great when you're infatuated with the other person or you have these warm, fuzzy feelings. You don't need the vow then. You only need it when they go away. In any event, Joshua Harris continues in his Instagram post. He says this, I am learning that no group has the market cornered on grace. This week I've received grace from Christians, atheists, evangelicals, uh, ex-evangelicals, straight people, LGBTQ people, and everyone in between. Of course, there have also been strong words of rebuke from religious people. While not always pleasant, I know they are seeking to love me. Now, that's a very good insight by Mr. Harris here, that Christians who've reached out to him know that love isn't just approving whatever somebody wants to do. In fact, sometimes you have to disapprove what somebody wants to do. If you truly love them, parents know this. You don't just approve everything your child wants to do. If you do, you're unloving. You don't tolerate everything somebody wants to do. If you do, you're unloving. So at least Mr. Harris understands that people who are reaching out to him and saying, don't do this in many cases are doing it out of love and they should. He goes on then to say, there have also been spiteful, hateful comments that angered and hurt me. Well, obviously that they shouldn't have, there shouldn't have been spiteful, hateful comments, but I have a question for Mr. Harris, who's now no longer a Christian. If there is no God, why are spiteful and hateful comments wrong? You see, one of the problems with leaving Christianity, unless you're adopting another theistic worldview, and I don't know if he has, again, I, I can only go on what he's written. If he's now an agnostic or an atheist, one of the problems is, is that you want to contain, or I should say, maintain certain aspects of the Christian worldview after you leave it. Well, that's intellectually inconsistent. If there is no God, there's nothing wrong with spite or hate. There's nothing wrong with hurting other people because there's nothing wrong with anything. If there is no God, there is no standard beyond humanity. Everything's just a matter of opinion. Yet you're trying to maintain Christian morality, despite the fact that you've rejected the author of that Christian morality, Christ himself. And when I say the author, I mean it flows from his nature. He doesn't invent right and wrong. 
He is the standard of rightness, and any deviation from Christ's nature or God's nature would be what we would call evil. Joshua Harris goes on. He says, the information that was left out of our announcement is that I've undergone a massive shift in regard to my faith in Jesus. The popular phrase for this is deconstruction. The biblical phrase is falling away. By all the measurements that I have for defining a Christian, I am not a Christian, says Joshua Harris. Many people tell me that there is a different way to practice faith, and I want to remain open to this, but I'm not there now. Now, here's the interesting thing to me. I asked at the top of the show, uh, why do people leave Christianity, particularly in America? I don't see anything in here. There's not a word about a lack of evidence for Christianity. He's not saying, well, I no longer believe Jesus rose from the dead. Or I, I think I was mistaken when I thought God existed and I thought Jesus rose from the dead. He's not saying any of that. My question then is, was Christianity just a preference for him? Like an ice cream flavor? I mean, when people leave the faith or refuse to come to faith, they rarely cite evidence that would mean Christianity is false. What they do is they cite preferences, peripheral issues, or some personal disagreement they have with Christian morality. In fact, we're going to see this after the break, because what Joshua Harris is going to say is that he has now a different moral view about certain issues. And it seems that Christianity was getting in the way of his personal moral view. And so instead of aligning his personal moral view with Jesus, he divorced Jesus. We'll get into that right after the break. You're listening to I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist with Frank Turk. Yeah, we changed the name of the podcast because we thought people would understand I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist better than Cross-Examined, but you can go by the old name if you want. Uh, our website is crossexamined.org, and we're back in two minutes, so don't go anywhere. Thank you for listening to the Cross-Examined Podcast. This material is made available to you for free by the contributions of listeners like you. If you wish to support future podcasts, just go to crossexamined.org and click on the Donate button, or simply use the Donate feature directly on our app. Thanks. We're talking about a sad but important topic today. You're listening to I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist with Frank Turek here on the AFR Talk Radio Network, actually the American Family Association entire network, 180 or so stations around the country. And you're also perhaps listening to this on podcast. It's on our app, the uh, Cross-Examined app, two words in the app store, Cross-Examined. So download the app. And I do want to direct you, by the way, if you've been listening to this on iTunes, that as of September 1st, the only podcast, there's two of them out there that have the same data on it, the same podcast. The only one that will be uh, updated after September 1st is the official I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist podcast. It has the one with my picture on it. So if, you, if you're signed up on the other one, the one that just says CE on it for cross-examined, uh, just the, the CE logo, you need to go over and uh, sign up for the I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. We want to consolidate everything into one podcast. That will help move it up the charts so more people will be able to hear this after they see it. And thank you, by the way, for going up there and putting favorable reviews on iTunes on the I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist podcast. If you continue to do that, that will... It, it, as well, help more people hear this podcast. So thank you so much for doing that. Anyway, the sad topic is the fact that uh, Pastor Josh Harris, an author, has left Christianity, according to his uh, recent Instagram post. And we're going through his reasons for that. And just before the break, I mentioned he doesn't he doesn't say anything about, well, I no longer think Christianity is true. He just says he's no longer a Christian. 
And I see this over and over again. In fact, many of the questions that are asked on a college campus are questions that even if they couldn't be answered, wouldn't mean Christianity was false. Uh, you get questions about morality that come up over and over again. And the problem is this many people bring up questions about morality, have no moral standard by which to judge a particular moral problem they have with Christianity. If God doesn't exist again, they're just, it's just their own preference, their own moral preference. In any event, back to Mr. Harris, uh, one blogger who apparently knows uh, Josh Harris suggested that for Harris, Christianity was just a formula that no longer worked for him. I wish I had it in front of me. I don't have it in front of me. I remember reading it earlier this week. Anyway, Christianity was just something pragmatic that for Harris was no longer pragmatic. It no longer worked. Well, if that's true, I have uh, some shocking news, unfortunately, and that is Christianity doesn't work if you define what works as you getting to follow whatever your sinful nature wants to do. Christianity didn't even work for Jesus on earth. He was murdered. I mean, from a temporal perspective, Christianity often doesn't work. Christianity promises that denying ourselves will bring persecution and pain, but also growth. And that growth enhances our capacity to enjoy God now and in eternity. Just read 2 Corinthians 4, verses 16 to 17, where Paul says our light and momentary afflictions, afflictions are achieving for us a greater weight of glory that far outweighs them all outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen for what is seen is temporary, but on what is unseen for what is unseen is eternal. One thing that I've tried to communicate in several of the uh, TV uh, programs that we've done on the NRB network, which by the way, you can watch uh, on our app or direct TV channel 378 on Wednesday nights. It's also on Roku. I try and communicate to people uh, that God wants us to have an eternal perspective that yes, this world is important, but it's not the end of our existence. That things that occur in this world ripple forward, not only into the future here, but ripple forward into eternity. That's why you, when you go through difficulty here, it actually can bring fruit, not only later in this life, but it can actually bring fruit in eternity. It can enhance your capacity to enjoy God forever. So Christianity doesn't work if you think Christianity is just going to make you happy all the time and that things are going to go well in your life from an earthly perspective. No, they may not. You may be persecuted, may be martyred. So if you're leaving Christianity, or let me put it another way, if you're a Christian just because you think it works for you, what is going to happen when whatever you think is working now doesn't work? Are you going to walk away from God and Jesus as apparently Mr. Harris has done? Is that what you're going to do? In fact, my friend Jay Warner Wallace, with whom I do many seminars, including Fearless Faith, which is being broadcast on the TV show right now. Um, he says, look, I'm not a Christian because it works for me. It doesn't work. In fact, it's much more convenient to not be a Christian. Then you can do whatever you want. I'm a Christian because it's true. And we ought to align ourselves with truth. Okay, back to Josh Harris's Instagram post. Here's what he said next. He said, Martin Luther said that the entire life of believers should be repentance. There's beauty in that sentiment, regardless of your view of God. All right, let me stop right here. Regardless of your view of God, if there is no God, who are you repenting to? 
He goes on to say this, I have lived in repentance for the past several years, repeating, repenting of my self-righteousness, my fear-based approach to life, the teaching of my books, my views of women in the church, and my approach to parenting, to name a few. But I specifically want to add to this list now, to the LGBTQ plus community. I want to say that I'm sorry for the views that I taught in my books as a pastor regarding sexuality. I regret standing against marriage equality for not affirming you and your place in the church and for any ways that my writing and speaking contributed to a culture of exclusion and bigotry. I hope you can forgive me. All right. Let me ask this. By what moral standard is he now saying that the Christian moral standard is wrong? Is it just his personal preference or is he grounding these new absolutes in some other God? And if so, what evidence does he have for this other God or for this standard? I mean, he's coming up with moral changes. He's changing his view of right and wrong. But why? Is it just his preference when he says that Maybe same-sex marriage is a good thing? Or does he think it's really objectively good? And by what standard is he saying it's, it's objectively good? I mean, if you're listening right now, you're probably thinking, well, is Frank now going to get into why same-sex marriage is a good or a bad thing? No, no, no. That's not my point. My point is not to discuss or defend one view or the other. My point is to ask what standard, by what standard is Josh Harris saying he was wrong before and now he's right now in his moral views because he's appealing to some kind of standard. Where, where does that standard come from? Look, we've dealt with the same-sex marriage issue uh, many times on this program. I have a book, Correct Not Politically Correct, How Same-Sex Marriage Hurts Everyone. You know where I stand on same-sex marriage. I'm with Jesus on it. I hope you are too. But that, that's not even the point. The point right now is you're appealing to a standard. What is it? Josh, what standard are you using to say you were wrong when you lined up with Jesus and now you're right to line up with the culture? In fact, if you think about this, friends, we all have a choice. We can trust the sinless Jesus or we can trust the culture. We can trust the sinless Jesus or we can trust the current fad. We can trust the sinless Jesus or we can trust our sinful selves, our sinful culture, our sinful world the next sinful fad. Who are we going to trust? Tim Keller has brilliantly put it, as he often does, that when something like this happens, when somebody changes from, say, Jesus's view on marriage to the culture's view on marriage, the LGBTQ view on marriage, what the person is doing is he's changing cheerleaders. You see, now the LGBT community are now Josh Harris's cheerleaders rather than Christians or Muslims, or Jews, or other people that might agree that marriage is between a man and a woman. Now, Christians should be pointing out where he's in error and praying for him, and that's what we're trying to do here. Uh, we shouldn't be unkind to anyone in that regard, but we should point out his error. Now, I know some people are going to say, well, it's not Christian to point out errors. <laughs> really? Where did you ever get that idea? Besides, if it's not Christian to point out errors, if that were true, how can you point out my error that I'm pointing out errors in others? <laughs> That's all Jesus did is he pointed out errors, particularly in the Pharisees. Jesus warned against false teachers. 
In fact, to the Pharisees, he said, your father is the devil. Can you imagine saying that to somebody? Jesus, you can't say that. That's not very Christ-like. Excuse me, I am Christ. Imagine calling, saying to somebody, your father is the devil. Jesus did that. He also said, you brood of vipers, you snakes. You strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Oh, you look great on the outside. You're whitewashed tombs, but on the inside, you're full of dead men's bones. You go a mile to make a convert, and then once you make them a convert, you make them twice as much a son of hell as you are. How will you avoid being condemned to hell? Sweet and gentle Jesus said this. Yes, Jesus was not the purple dinosaur Barney. He came out and spoke the truth. And that meant correcting people who were in error. He said, you err not knowing the scriptures. So we have to correct people in error. He warned against false teachers. Paul did the same thing. In fact, in 2 Timothy 2, he talks about the teaching of false teachers. He said, their teaching will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have departed from the truth. In the Bible, Paul is pointing out false teachers. We have to do that, but we don't have to be unkind doing it. I don't want to be unkind to Josh Harris. I just want to say that I think he's an error, and I hope he repents and comes back to the faith. In fact, Josh Harris has now adopted a new faith with its own set of beliefs that need to be supported with evidence if he's going to be rational about this. You say, what do you mean, Frank? Well, look. He now believes that the following are good and moral, that premarital sex is a good thing, that homosexual behavior is a good thing, that same-sex marriage is a good thing, that calling out Christians as bigots and exclusionary apparently is a good thing. He just said that in his Instagram post. Now, I might ask him, what do you mean by bigotry? And what do you mean by exclusionary? Because if somebody is a bigot because they disagree with the moral position that you have— are you a bigot for disagreeing with a moral position that they have? And why is bigotry wrong, even if you're saying that bigotry is wrong? By what standard are you saying it's wrong? I mean, if you true to, truly do detect true bigotry and not just a difference of opinion, then why is that wrong? Aren't you also exclusionary by excluding Christian beliefs from what you consider to be moral? You see, everybody's exclusionary when they say what they believe is right. They're excluding the opposite. So you're doing the same thing that you're accusing Christians of. And you have a new set of beliefs. As Philip Johnson famously put it, he said, he who is a skeptic of one set of beliefs is a true believer in another set of beliefs. Josh Harris has dispensed with Christian beliefs, and now he's adopted new beliefs. Okay, why are those new beliefs true? What evidence do you have for those? Again, we're not going to get into arguing the merits of them here. I'm just pointing out that you've got a new standard that you need to support now if you want to be rational, if you want to consider your view really true and not just a preference. That requires evidence, friends. All right, friends, you're listening to I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist with Frank Turek on the American Family Radio Network. We're back in just a couple of minutes. Welcome to I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist, the radio program and podcast where we present evidence to, for Christianity and we cross-examine ideas against it. That's our website, crossexamine.org. By the way, I'm going to be down, well, first of all, next week we're going to be out in uh, New York 
out in New York. Up in New York. Forgot about it. We're doing CIA, the Cross-Examine Instructor Academy. I hope to see some of you there. You cannot join it now if you're thinking about coming. It's a closed group. We only take about 60 people because we not only present to them, they present to us. Uh, So that's uh, in Brooklyn next week. And then next Sunday, the 11th of August, I'll be speaking up at Abundant Life Church of God in Holbrook, New York. Abundant Life Church of God in Holbrook, New York, 11 a.m. service. You can go to our website and see the details there. And then the following week, Saturday, August 17th, I will be in LJ, Georgia, which is north of Atlanta. I want to say, I don't know, 30, 40 miles, maybe Um, just north of Atlanta. First Baptist Church in LJ. We're going to go through. I don't have enough faith to be an atheist Saturday. And that's 10 to three. I think we have a break for lunch in there in LJ. If I'm, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. LJ, maybe LJ, Georgia. It's a community event, but it's at uh, First Baptist Church there. And, uh, yep, we're doing lunch. We've got 10 to 12, then lunch from noon to one and then one to three. And then the next day I'll be speaking at the church there, uh, Sunday, actually Sunday, I'm speaking at Pleasant Grove Baptist in LJ, Georgia. So I hope to see you all out there. If you're anywhere near Atlanta or that area in, of Georgia, in fact, even Southern, um, South Carolina would probably be in that. It's not far from Chattanooga either. So it's in that area. So I hope to see you out there. All right, let's go back to our topic today. We're talking about the sad uh, situation with Josh Harris, who was a pastor and also wrote a great book uh, years ago called I Kissed the Dating Goodbye. Actually, I don't know if the book is great. I haven't read it, but a lot of people liked it. So I assume it helped a lot of people. Uh, in, in any event, um, we were pointing out just before the break that he has now changed his view on so many moral issues. And if you're leaving Christianity... If you're leaving the Christian faith, you're actually adopting a new faith. And if you want to be rational, you have to have reasons to support that new faith. What are they? Look, either your view of the New Testament will inform your view of morality or your morality will inform your view of the New Testament. It's been put this way, too. Either your view of the Bible will inform your view of morality or your morality will inform your view of the Bible. I use the New Testament because the Christian's ethic is the New Testament. So has he changed his views because his own personal morality changed his view of Jesus, changed his view of the New Testament? Well, he goes on to say this, Josh Harris, this is again, his Instagram post to my Christian friends. I'm grateful for your prayers. Christians ought to be praying for him. Don't take it personally. If I don't immediately return phone calls, I can't join in your morning. I don't view this moment negatively. I feel very much alive and awake and surprisingly hopeful. All right, stop right there. Again, those are things that exclusively come from the Christian worldview, particularly hope. What hope is there of Christianity's faults? What hope is if atheism is true? There's hope. Hope in what? I'm reminded of what happened with Jesus and the apostles in Capernaum, a great place uh, on the Israel trip we take. Uh, Jesus is adopted hometown on the north side of the Sea of Galilee. After Jesus gives his bread of life sermon and he talks about it. If you want to follow me, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood. And many of the... Uh, Many of his followers said, this is a hard teaching. We can't follow this guy anymore. And then Jesus turns to the apostles and he says, are you going to leave too? And Peter in verse 68 of John chapter six says, who are we going to turn to Lord? You have the words of eternal life. 
Yeah, who are you going to turn to? What hope is there outside of Jesus? What hope is there? There isn't. And yet, it seems to me that Josh Harris is deceiving himself. Now, he may feel good about what he's done. Why? Because he's taken off his shoulders what he conceives or, or what he perceives to be a burden of some kind. But it ultimately ends in death, unfortunately. As the proverb says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but his way ends in death or but its way ends in death. His final line in his Instagram post is this. I believe with my sister Julian that all should be well and that all manner of things shall be well. My question again is, well, according to what standard, what's going to be well? Again, if Christianity's false, we're all lost. You say, well, maybe Islam's true. Well, I don't think Islam is true. And if Islam's true, we're not going to make it either. (laughs) Okay. So the hope resides in Christianity. Islam is a system of works as virtually every other religion is. Christianity gives us hope because you can know that your eternity is secure because you don't achieve your salvation. You receive your salvation. You just accept what Jesus has done. Now, it seems that Josh Harris has left the Christian faith because of his views on sexuality. In fact, he said in a Sojourner's interview um, that the historical sexual ethic related to sex outside of marriage related to homosexuality is basically laid aside. And embracing a healthy view of sex means just accepting all that as fine within the Christian tradition. This is what Harris said in a Sojourner. Sojourners is a left-leaning, supposedly Christian magazine. He was interviewed not long ago, and he said this. Look, you know, premarital sex, homosexuality, all that's fine within the Christian tradition. But then he corrected himself. He said this. He said, I do not think, though, that for me, in that change of interpretation of such a fundamental level when it comes to sexuality, it's just hard for me to, and then he stopped and said, in a way, it's almost easier for me to to contemplate throwing out all of Christianity than it is to keeping Christianity and adopting or and adapting it to these different ways. In other words, he's saying, look, it's just better for me to say I'm not a Christian than to try and say Christianity supports homosexuality and premarital sex and all these things. Do you see what's going on here? His desired view of sex is more important than Christianity. This is why I've said over and over again, friends, that the new religion in America is the religion of sex. That sex is the most important thing to so many people. They get their identity and their pleasure and their their whole focus of life on sex. Now, obviously, God created sex. It's a wonderful thing. But sex is going to end when you die, probably before that. Is that what is that what life's all about? Sex? Now, if there is no God, maybe that's all we have. And I can see why people people put their their emphasis on it. I get that. But is that really all there is? Al Mohler at Southern Seminary uh, writ, has written on this. I just tweeted his article out uh, yesterday. Here's what Mohler says about this. Joshua Harris understands that there are two absolutely opposed worldviews, and they are basically not reconcilable. There's no reconciliation 
possible between the biblical worldview and the modern secular worldview. He understands that there is no halfway house. And in that sense, it is intellectually honest of him to understand that theological liberalism, which seeks to maintain some claim upon Christianity while repudiating its biblical truth claims is unsustainable. Mueller's absolutely right about that. And he's commending Harris for being honest to say, look, I can't remain a Christian and believe in LGBTQ sex and all this and premarital sex and all these things. I can't both follow the religion of sex and the religion of Jesus. I can't do both. So he's left Jesus. This reminds me of Blaise Pascal, who said this people almost invariably arrive at their beliefs, not on the basis of proof, but on the basis of what they find attractive. Who Pascal nailed it, didn't he? People almost invariably arrive at their beliefs, not on the basis of proof, but on the basis of what they find attractive. This is why when they explain they're leaving Christianity, they don't give reasons that strike at the heart of Christianity. They don't say, oh, God doesn't exist or Jesus didn't rise. They don't say that. They just say, look, I, at least he's saying, Joshua Harris is saying, it's because of sex. At least he's honest. Now, I don't know if it has to do with his own personal sex life. I have no idea. I don't know the man. But he has divorced his wife. Might that be a problem? Might that color his view of Christianity? I mean, look, sex, money, and power are motivators for all of us. And sometimes they can obscure our rationality. That's why Paul says flee from sexual immorality. Gary Habermas, my friend, who is the world-renowned expert on the resurrection, is also a a world-renowned expert and written several books on the issue of doubt. He was a doubter himself for many years and people will call him or email him and say, Gary, I'm doubting. Can you help me? And Gary, as gracious as he is, will spend hours on the phone with people trying to help them. But he's noticed a trend when some of his friends who have been Christians a long time and are starting to express doubts, they'll start saying things like this. I've been thinking, da, 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 da. But Gary says, after he talks to them, what they really mean is, I've been sinning, dot, 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 dot. Yeah, again, either the Bible will inform your view of morality or your morality will inform your view of the Bible. Let me put it more succinctly, maybe, or more directly. Either Jesus will inform your view of morality or your morality will inform your view of Jesus. Again, you can trust the sinless Jesus or you can trust your sinful self. Is Joshua Harris just leaving the faith because he doesn't like the sexual morality of Christianity? And is it possible? It's a personal situation going on. There's a personal situation going on where he wants to do something that he knows Christ would not approve of morally, sexually. And so he said, well, I'm just going to get rid of Christ then. In fact, I remember we were at uh, a Fearless Faith event we did down in Dallas. This had to be um, four or five years ago, myself, Jay Warner Wallace, Mike Adams. And uh, we're at the book table. A lady came up to the book table and said to me, hey, you got a good book on Buddhism? And I said, Buddhism, why? And she said, well, I have a friend who used to be a Christian and now she claims to be a Buddhist. So I want to talk to her about Buddhism. And I said, let me ask you a question. I don't know your friend at all, but let me just ask and see if this is true about your friend. Has your formerly Christian friend, has she begun to recently behave in a way 
that she knows Jesus wouldn't approve of? In other words, is she engaging in some sort of immoral behavior? And the lady said, bingo. And I said, you don't need a book on Buddhism. You need to go talk to the, your friend and ask her if Christianity were true, would you become a Christian? Because her issue isn't in the head. Her issue is in the heart. She doesn't want it to be true. She wants the respectability of saying she's spiritual without the moral accountability that comes with Jesus. That, that's what it appears she wants. And maybe this is the case with Joshua Harris. In fact, when you get involved in sexual vice, it can make you stupid. That's what we're going to talk about right after the break. Don't go away. We're back in two minutes. I'm Frank Turk. If you find value in the content of this podcast, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where you can find more. Just type cross-examine or Frank Turek on the search bar. Also, visit our website where we add new videos, articles, and free resources daily. You're listening to I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. We just renamed the podcast from crossexamine.org because we think more people will recognize the content with I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist rather than crossexamine.org. So thank you for uh, listening and telling other people about the podcast. By the way, I want to mention as well that the new online course, I Don't Have Enough Faith, or why I still don't have enough faith to be an atheist, will be played uh, online beginning in September. But if you sign up for the premium version of the course, you'll be live on Zoom video with me doing a bunch of Q&A because I'll be your instructor. It begins in September. We have limited seating. You got to go to crossexamine.org, click on online courses, sign up for the premium version, and then you and I will see one another online. And when we say see one another, we do Zoom video. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's a great uh, software program that allows you to see everybody you're talking to at once. It's, uh, you remember the old show Hollywood Squares? It was like that. You know, you could just see everybody and talk to people one-on-one -on -one and everybody else can see the conversation. So it's like having a virtual classroom. So I'll be live online with you on the premium version. You can also take the self-paced version, but there's no interaction from me on that. You'll watch a lot of video go through the, uh, the workbook and the Q&A and all that. Uh, which will help you obviously understand the material that Christianity is true. That's what why that's why the course is called Why I Still Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. There's some updated material in there since the book, so you can still take the course that way. But if you want to be on there with me and interact, and uh, we'll learn from one another, uh, then sign up for the premium version. But sign up soon. Go to crossexamine.org. Click on online courses. Now, we're talking today about this issue with regard to Joshua Harris, the former pastor and uh, author of several Christian books who's renounced the faith, divorced his wife, walked away, uh, hasn't given any reasons to walk away other than it appears anyway that he just doesn't like Christian sexual morality. Um, and I want to read from uh, what a friend of mine wrote online. Yeah, some of you may know uh, Ed Fazer. He's been on this program several times before. Brilliant philosopher, teaches at Pasadena City College out in California, written several wonderful books, among them The Last Superstition and uh, Scholastic Metaphysics and Aquinas. And uh, he's got a new one out um, that we're going to get to at some point. And uh, we also had him on for his great book called Five Proofs of the Existence of God. Well, Ed runs a pretty robust blog out there in uh, California. Of course, you can just go to the website and uh, see it. Just type in Phaser. Phaser spelled F-E-S-E-R. And uh, just type in Phaser blog. You'll find it. Anyway, back in February of 2015, 
uh, he had a blog post, What's the Deal with Sex? And this is actually part two of, of his blog post. And it's very insightful. And it really goes back to Romans chapter one, uh, when Paul talks about when we suppress the truth and unrighteousness to go our own way, it can actually lead to futile thinking, futile thinking to the point that we're not only unable to think clearly about things, but we're doing evil things, evil activities, and we're cheering on other people who are doing them as well. Because sexual sin can blind you and make you stupid. And so I'm going to read this section. It's very insightful from Ed Fazer. And I'll see what you think about it. Here's what he said. He said, now, when for for whatever reason we take pleasure in some thing or activity, we are strongly inclined to want to think that it is good, even if it is not good. And when, for whatever reason, we find some idea attractive, we are strongly inclined to want to think that it is true and reasonable, even if it is neither. Everyone knows this. You don't have to be a Christian or a Thomist to see that much. And Ed Fazer's a, a Thomist, a, a follower of Thomas Aquinas, the great theologian and philosopher from the 1200s AD. Anyway, he goes on to say this. The habitual binge drinker or cocaine snorter takes such pleasure in his vice that he refuses to listen to those who warn him that he's setting, he's setting himself up for trouble. The ideologue is so in love with a pet idea that he will search out any evidence that seeks to confirm or that seems to confirm it while refusing to consider all glaring evidence against it. We call that sometimes confirmation bias. Fazer goes on to say the talentless would be actor or writer is so enamored of the prospect of wealth and fame that he refuses to see that he'd be better advised to pursue some other career and so forth. That taking pleasure in what is, in fact, bad or false can impair the intellect's ability to see what is good and true is a familiar fact of everyday life. Now, there is no reason whatsoever why things should be any different where sex is concerned. Indeed, and this is part of Aquinas's point, and let me add, this is exactly what Paul says in Romans 1. Precisely because sexual pleasure is unusually intense, that is, e that it, it is even more likely than the other pleasures uh, are to impair our ability to perceive what is true and good when what we take pleasure in is something that is in fact bad, in particular habitually indulging one's own desire to carry out sexual acts that are disordered will tend to make it harder and harder for one to see that they are disordered. For one thing, the pleasure a person repeatedly takes in those acts will give the acts the false appearance of goodness. For another, the person will be inclined to look for reasons to regard the acts as good or even least or even at least harmless and disinclined to look for or give a dispassionate hearing to reasons to think them bad. Hence, indulgence in disordered sexual behavior has a tendency to impair one's ability to perceive the true and the good, particularly in matters of sexual morality. In short, Sexual vice makes you stupid. That's Ed Fazer from his blog, February 15th. I'm sorry, February 6, 2015. He goes on to say this. Blindness can occur so that people refuse to consider the arguments. They will call you names instead. Oh, have we heard that before? 
I mean, Josh Harris is already calling people who are Christians and hold to traditional Jesus-led Christian morality. He's already calling them bigots and exclusionary. Now, you might want to say, well, Jesus never said anything about sexual immorality. No, so he did. He, he did. And I think it's John. No, it's a, what is it? Mark chapter seven, where he says that it's not what goes into a man that makes him unclean. It's what comes out of a man. And he said, he talks about theft and sexual immorality. Well, what's sexual immorality? Sexual immorality was the category under which every sexual disordered immoral behavior was included that would include premarital sex and homosexuality and adultery and bestiality and anything else you could think of so he didn't talk about homosexuality directly uh he didn't single it out but he talked about it when he mentioned sexual immorality he talked about the category of homosexuality and premarital sex and adultery and anything else that we may want to do outside the marriage of a man and a woman I mean, to say that Jesus didn't talk about homosexuality would be like saying, well, Jesus didn't talk about felony home invasion either. So that must make it OK. Right. No, he didn't talk about felony home invasion directly, but he talked about it as a category when he said theft. It's the same thing. In any event, I digress. Let me go back to what Fazer said. Blindness can occur so that people refuse to consider the arguments. They call you names instead. And if such behavior has a tendency to impair one's capacity to perceive what is true and good, especially where sex is concerned, then it follows that widespread reject rejection of traditional sexual morality is bound to have as much to do with the sort of cognitive corruption that Aquinas calls blindness of the mind. Paul, of course, calls it futile thinking in Romans one, as it does with the making of honest intellectual mistakes that people who don't behave in accordance with traditional sexual norms also don't believe that those norms have any solid intellectual foundation is thus in no way surprising. On the contrary, that's exactly what natural law theory itself predicts will happen. And it's exactly what Paul says will happen in Romans chapter one as well. Phaser ends it this way. It is in light of this fact that we need to evaluate the refusal of some contemporary academic philosophers even to consider arguments in defense of traditional sexual morality. Those who take this attitude claim that such arguments need not to be taken seriously because they are mere expressions of, oh, you know it, what, what's the word? Bigotry. Now, one problem with, it, with this position is that it is manifestly fallacious. It either begs the question, since whether traditional sexual morality is really bigoted rather than rationally justifiable is precisely what is at issue or it is a fallacious ad hominem in other words it's just name calling an attempt to dismiss the arguments on the basis of purportedly disreputable motivations of those who put them forward it is the side that merely flings abuse at its opponents and refuses to engage in debate that is the truly bigoted side now the mind corrupted by lust wants to make reality conform to itself rather than to make itself conform to reality. Hence, the very idea that there is such a thing as natural, a natural objective order, especially where sex is concerned, becomes unbearable to the lustful person. That's Ed Fazer. I think I've added this, as I've said before, we should conform ourselves to reality rather than trying to get reality to conform to us. So why do I read all this from Ed Fazer? Because I think he nailed it. Now, do I know this is the situation with Josh Harris? No, I don't. He hasn't told me this. 
but I'm suspicious of it because sexual immorality can blind you. That's the truth. Whether he's involved in it or not, I don't know, but it certainly is the truth. This is why Paul says flee sexual immorality. And it's why people who are engaged in it to such a deep level can be so irrational when trying to discuss it. Just like the drunk can be irrational when you're trying to point out that it's a problem that he's drinking too much or the drug abuser or or the person, as Fazer said, who thinks that he's a great actor and yet he has no talent at all. And you're saying, hey, get a real job. And he's saying, you know, you don't support me and all this. Hold, hold on. Let's be rational about this. The problem is I find it that many people who leave the faith, they leave it not for rational reasons. They're emotional or volitional reasons. And so we need to pray for these people that the Holy Spirit would come to them, that Christians would surround them and try and show them that the only hope lies in returning to Jesus. It doesn't lie with a culture that's going to change his mind in 20, 30 years anyway. Either we're going to trust Jesus or we're going to trust the culture. Who are you going to trust? All right, friends, don't forget I'm in New York next Sunday. And then the following weekend, I'm in Georgia, just north of Atlanta. Check our website, crossexamine.org. Click on events. You'll see me there. See you next week. We hope you got a lot of value out of this episode. If you think our podcast needs to reach more people, here's what you can do to help. Go to iTunes and type cross-examined official podcast, four words in the search bar, and leave us a five-star rating. It'll take you less than five seconds. And if you have a few more seconds to spare, leave us a positive review. The best reviews will be featured on future episodes. You can also listen on Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. God bless. God bless.